0: Welcome to another UCTV.tv podcast presented by University of California Television. Good morning and welcome to the Roger Avel Centennial Symposium. Uh, this is without a doubt the highlight of the scientific side of the celebration of the 100th anniversary of Roger's birth, and indeed one of the great highlights in Scripps history. My name is Tony Hamid, I'm the 10th Director of Scripps Institution of Oceanography at UC San Diego. Also with us today are Directors 8 and 9, my colleagues Charlie Cannell and Ed Freeman. Welcome, gentlemen. We'll hear from Ed uh, in just a minute. Yesterday we celebrated Roger the man who people knew and admired. And today we're going to pay tribute to Roger's scientific contributions to the world, and they are many. Our symposium today actually tries to cover the areas mentioned in the citation for Roger's Medal of Science. That's a long list of fields. As you know, Roger was the best of the best, a true Renaissance man. He was an extraordinary scientist, a Navy leader, an outstanding teacher, and a great humanitarian. He helped establish the UC San Diego campus And he was, long before me, the fifth director of Scripps Institution of Oceanography. Unfortunately, as a youngster, I never had the pleasure of sitting down with Roger and absorbing his wisdom and vision directly. But the vision rings loud and true, and I do feel the benefit of Roger's presence every single week of my two and a half years as director. The people, the students, the excellence, the wonderful fleet he established for us, access to the sea and now the sky through robotic means, the relationships, the creation of UCSD, even IOC, for those of you who know those initials. From his roots in oceanography came his increased involvement in the kind of research, education, and service at the very heart of the mission of Scripps that transcend traditional disciplinary boundaries. Roger is considered one of the true pioneers of climate change research. And as a matter of fact, his research on climate change was a major factor in his selection for the National Medal of Science, which he received from the first president, George Bush, in 1990. The medal citation reads, for his pioneering work in the areas of carbon dioxide and climate modification, oceanographic exploration, presaging plate tectonics, and the biological effects of radiation in the marine environment, studies of human population growth and global food supply. We'll try to touch all those topics today. We've invited you here to honor Roger's legacy, but more than that, to highlight the influence of his work, honored and admired by so many, that his work continues to have on the scientific community, on society at large, a legacy that will carry through today and long into our future and our children's future. So we're not taking a static snapshot of what Roger did. We're talking about real current events today that are based on the things that Roger started. We're honored to have among us today many distinguished scientists and policymakers in our audience, as well as speakers, to discuss climate change, California in the ocean, energy independence, and the crucial role science and technology is playing in tackling today's global challenges. I do want to thank our friends and um, fellow scientists. uh, Rick Spinrad from NOAA, who is going to be here anyway, but he stepped in to be a speaker. And our friend, uh, Nate Lewis from Caltech. I thank all of you for being here and sharing your thoughts and perspectives and to interact with each other during our breaks. You are our current leaders. And the students in this room are our future leaders. And I'm glad you're here to celebrate our future by looking at Roger's contributions and talking today. Secondly, I'd like to thank the additional friends who've made Roger Revelle's centennial symposium a reality. In this financial environment, it's very important that we not only don't spend taxpayers' money on this, California money on this symposium, but we are seen not to do so. So today's symposium has been very kindly funded by our agency friends, starting with the Office of Naval Research, which Roger helped establish in the 1940s, Thank you and welcome to Frank Hur, and I think Lynwood Vincent is also here, from ONR. Thank you to the National Science Foundation, and to NOAA. Thank you and welcome to Rick Spinrad, Steve Murawski, and Marty Ralph. And also thank you to the University of California Discovery Grants Program, and to our UCSD TV. In these trying economic times, we could not have supported this incredibly timely and meaningful symposium without this very generous external support. Now it's my great pleasure to introduce Director Emeritus Ed Freeman, the eighth director of Scripps, who brought Roger back to Scripps campus in the late 1980s. As director, Ed led the institution in vital new directions well ahead of their time and helped to make it the vital and thriving institution it is today. Ed.
1: Well, my homework assignment by Kathleen was uh, to talk about Roger the years uh, when we, he came back to Scripps, and uh, to compress it into fifteen minutes. And I failed uh, to do that. And the only way I could find to uh, to bring that together was something called Atzog. Sort of sounds like the. Um, secret police of Tajikistan but Atsag means <clears throat> stands for uh, on the shoulders of giants and this is a, came from a <clears throat> very intriguing and charming book by Robert Merton called On the Shoulders of Giants where he traced the uh, history of this saying down through the ages uh, to Bernard of Chart in the 12th century and it tells the story of dwarfs standing on the shoulders of giants and thereby being enabled to see further. Uh, it was later taken up by Isaac Newton, uh, no dwarf, and in our time by Stephen Hawking uh, with regard to Einstein and others. So invoking Atzog <clears throat> and Roger seemed the best way for me to be able to approach this, so perhaps we here, while we're not dwarfs, uh, are standing on the shoulders of a giant who helped us to see further by raising penetrating questions about the world and the human condition, and as Tony says, we are still living and struggling with those to this day. So the Roger I got to know <clears throat> was actually for too short a number of years. Uh, he was a very complex man to me and in street language I would say he not only talked the talk, but he walked the walk. He saw himself in a direct uh, historical continuum <clears throat> as an ocean explorer with Prince Henry the Navigator <clears throat> of Portugal who was uh, active in the early 1400s. So I looked up Prince Henry a uh, little bit surprised to find that he was uh, somewhat like the Right Admiral Sir Joseph Porter, the ruler of the King's Navy who stuck to his desk and never went to sea. Um, Prince Henry actually went to sea but very very close to the shore in the Mediterranean. But uh, there was another aspect of Roger which uh, I enjoyed. Some of his stories uh, and sayings, uh, one he said was uh, Behind every successful man, there's a surprised mother in law. <clears throat> I especially enjoyed that one. <laughs> but in talking about himself, he tended to be somewhat modest. Uh, he was interested in many things. He said that he was good at starting things, but not very good at finishing them. I shudder to think what it would have been like if he finished them. But um, So what did he start, and what did he leave for us to finish? Uh, you'll hear much more about this uh, all day long. It's a formidable and daunting list of challenges and operations, Global warming you will certainly hear about. As you know, he called himself the grandfather of the greenhouse effect. Uh, he brought David Keeling here on measuring the buildup of CO2. We'll, you'll hear about that. Uh, he spoke out forcefully and publicly on that issue throughout his life. As you know, uh, Al Gore is continuing in that tradition, and you'll hear more about that today. He helped start a major front-ranked university, our own UCSD. Uh, He pushed for sustainable development. They were couched in different words then, but uh, through studies of population, energy, and global food supplies. He influenced the future of oceanography in many ways through helping found the Modern Office of Naval Research He cared about nuclear weapons, disarmament, and the world's poor and disadvantaged. So that's an enormous list of challenges for us to take up. Uh, But I think all the while, he had a very special regard for the young and as a teacher, and was delighted by their inquiring minds. But I'm also told that he enjoyed kissing all the young girls as they trooped by getting their diplomas at Revelle College. (laughs) Uh, Part of that story I've heard, I don't know whether it's true or not, that he was uh, delighted when hairstyles changed so that he could distinguish the boys from the girls. (laughs) So when I became director in uh, 1986, I quickly learned how much scripts... 20-yard years or more after Roger left was uh, influence-shaped by his vision, by his insights, and his drive. Uh, He had returned from Harvard then and was teaching on the main campus, but he spent time here at Scripps uh, walking around the halls, as he usually did, uh, talking to people, asking about what the researchers we're doing, and I, I thought he belonged here with us, and I hoped uh, that he would come home. So I asked Ellen then whether I could approach Roger <coughs> uh, without disturbing his life, the tranquility of his life, and her response was uh, a very enthusiastic yes. So I did, and I was very selfish about it because I moved him into the office next door to me. And Tony will see next door to him an office is still with Roger's name. So uh, I promptly took advantage of his presence and walked over to his office uh, for quick director lessons uh, that were often uh, pithy and uh, not repeatable, I'm afraid. (coughs) But I also had to uh, clear up some items that I had tripped across, things that he had done. But uh, on the serious side of it, the most uh, important things for me were very deep discussions we had uh, concerning philosophical and direct discussions on long-range strategy and policy issues. So let me go over on the tripping side of it. Um, I was surprised one day to receive a uh, letter from the director of a sister oceanographic institution, the one that Tony mentioned, the one at Oregon State. And that letter graciously thanked us for allowing him to use our ocean for his ships and research. (laughs) And on uh, tracking back, I found that Roger had held a very high-level major conference here at Scripps, Uh, the president of the University of California was here, many other high-level officials, and the title was really uh, quite something. It was The Position of the Scripps Institution of Oceanography in the University, State, and Nation. Uh, I don't think we could get away with that, but um, the uh, interpretation given to that by some was that it conveyed a message that California had a special responsibility or perhaps even a mandate for the care of the Pacific Ocean and that Scripps would be the vehicle for exercising it. So that's why we got our letter from Oregon State. Um, One of the more difficult strategy issues facing Scripps at that time uh, was what our response should be to the winding down of the Cold War was taking place then. The Navy uh, was a major supporter of Scripps research. In fact, the largest supporter for many, many years. It was abandoning blue water oceanography Uh, since the Soviet strategic missile submarine force was largely staying home then. We were not pointing our strategic missiles at each other. Uh, The attack submarine force up-tempo was decreasing. And the shift uh, by the Navy to defense of the homeland, which would then emphasize coastal oceanographic research was not yet doctrine. So we were in a very interesting position of seeing both sides of the equation <clears throat> where one does science for policy and you also look at policy for science. I think the one of the outcomes of those discussions uh, and I've gone through the archives to try to see whether Roger ever uh, Talked about this in a way that um, exists in the archives. I haven't found it, so perhaps this is new. I do have some notes on this, but uh, we agree that the <clears throat> to take advantage of this shift should be there. A new should be a new focus on the environment and climate. That would be our best strategy. Uh, that discussion eventually converged, and uh, we thought about jokingly about life emerging from the sea <clears throat> three and a half billion years ago. Maybe Scripps should finally emerged from the sea. <clears throat> and uh, we talked about an atmospheric science initiative that was strongly linked to climate is probably holding the most promise. Roger strongly recommended establishing our own policy group and linking the two on this last, uh, I'm afraid I was a disappointment to him. I think it's something Charlie would have liked, it's something that Tony would like, all of us directors would like, and we have not yet done that. So <clears throat> following this, in 1990, uh, we were fortunate to be able to recruit uh, Ram Ramanathan who was then considered to be one of the world's leaders in atmospheric sciences, which really laid the groundwork for the atmospheric thrust that we have today. I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about a program that Ram is involved in, because in uh, in many ways it. Uh, looks as a model for exactly what Roger wanted us to do. Um, It combines all of the elements. And uh, I guess I would have liked to have assumed that somehow this was a direct historical linkage with the things that Roger espoused as he saw himself with Henry the Navigator. The point is that about half the world's population Cooks with fuels like wood, dung, charcoal that release uh, black carbon, uh, methane, and ozone-producing gases, and exposure to these indoor pollutants in the poorest parts of India, China, and Africa, Um, according to the World Health Organization, result in the deaths of about a million and a half, a million six hundred thousand young women and children. And although we have known for a long time that, <clears throat> that carbon dioxide is not the only contributor to global warming, uh, it has become clear recently that uh, that black carbon, methane, et cetera may be responsible for as much as a third of global heating. And the project that uh, Ram is launching will be officially launched uh, later this month. It's called Surya, which is Sanskrit for solar, and will be a major undertaking involving Scripps, uh, the United Nations Environmental Program, and other leading institutions, uh, and it will work with communities in India. India, of course, was a place that Roger cared about, visited, spent time thinking about. And it will enable the communities to switch to solar cookers, biogas plants, and other clean cooking technologies to both reduce disastrous health effects and reduce global warming. And uh, cell phones will be provided by Qualcomm at this point. Uh, They will be equipped with sensors. Uh, NASA's A-train of satellites will be overhead. And so one sees a mixture of just what Roger talked about, of science, of policy, of execution in a team. And uh, in a sense, I think he would have very much approved of this. Uh, This whole area... uh, involves a major scientific consensus that's growing today that the pace of climate change is exceeding the 2007 IPCC baseline and great concerns that warming should be limited to 2 degrees C uh, to avoid tipping points. The one issue that um, Rom is concerned about is the reduction of the Hindu Kush Himalaya uh, Tibetan glaciers uh, that are the headwaters of the major Asian river systems. Um, I think that may be an Atsag story here, and it's not yet complete. So uh, I would like to uh, close with one story from Roger that he told me that um, I'm still puzzled by. Um, And it still reminds me of Roger to this day. He was apparently fascinated by Gubbio. It's a small city in northern Italy where the KT boundary uh, comes to the surface. You can actually see it. And um, you may remember that Louis Alvarez uh, had attributed the death of the dinosaurs, the wiping out of the dinosaurs 65 million years ago, to an asteroid hitting the Earth at the time of the KT boundary transformation. Uh, this was really abrupt climate change, if you will. But, um, However, uh, the part of the story that's a mystery to me is Roger was... Uh, Fascinated by the story of the wolf of Gubbio, Uh, that wolf was a marauder, attacked the the town, and then until Saint Francis uh, heroically was able to convince the wolf to adopt the ways of peace. Eventually, the wolf did that, uh, became walked around the town, uh, and eventually was buried in hallowed ground. Uh, Why this story fascinated him remains a mystery to me today. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.